0: Welcome to the Ready, Eddy podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders.
1: What is going on, guys? Josh Zabo here. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to uh, speak a little bit about our membership program that we created a little over six months ago at this point. Uh, If you're not familiar, what we did is we built this platform that gives members discounts of up to 50% off 90-plus startups. Many of these startups are the brands that we interview on this podcast. Um, So the reason we created the platform is really to help uh, outdoor enthusiasts discover new, innovative startups really related to their favorite outdoor activities, whether it's skiing, climbing, hiking, camping, whatever, really. Um, and be able to get a discount on them. So basically, in addition to that, you can also apply to become an ambassador for for these brands, um, all from one location. You can do it basically a click of a button, makes it super simple. Uh, We'll also showcase a lot of the new products that these brands are working on. Uh, You can get access to demo and trade show deals up to 60% off all their stuff at the end of the season. Um, And lastly, we have a private Facebook group for everyone who participates. Uh, to get to know us and each other on a more personal level, and really help us um, build the future for really the outdoor space and showcase new innovative brands. So, if you want to check it out, head over to readyyeti.com/members, and uh, you can get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Yeti podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host, and on today's episode, I'm sitting down with one of the co-founders of Truck Gloves, Brett Kais. Brett, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, my pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. And uh, it's funny, i uh, the second intro, butchered your last name in the first one, so I <laughs> figured I'd let everyone listening know uh, that uh, that does happen. <laughs> but um, It does. It does. Um, I would love to start off really, okay, so like Truck Gloves, you're not just a glove company. Really, you offer direct-to-consumer hardware, but the real thing with you guys is the fact that you offer high-end quality gloves at a much cheaper price tag, right?
0: That's right. That's correct.
1: And so what made you decide to get into this business and start building a company like Truck Gloves?
0: Well, in two thousand. 14 i was still employed with black diamond equipment here in salt lake um but not for very long and 14 i was laid off and um was an available member of the workforce out there and uh was in good communication with a friend slash ex-co-worker of mine andy rosenberg and we decided to have coffee one evening and uh through the course of our our meeting together which i thought was just kind of be sort of a casual catch-up uh andy unfolded this idea to me that he had been cooking up uh behind the scenes in his brain for i don't even know how long but uh, i guess he had been sort of waiting for the opportunity and maybe the right set of circumstances to come along and i i think i represented that um i had been a product developer for black diamond equipment and had most recently with them come back from almost three years abroad living in uh juhai china uh, opening a development engineering department over there for black diamond and uh, my skill sets were such that i knew you know i was going to be familiar with how to go and source factories and how to develop a product line uh, given set of products uh and or work with different sets of materials etc and uh I had all the time in the world because I was unemployed at the moment, Uh, Andy had a good idea which was, you know, hey, let's, let's, there's not a lot of direct consumer in the outdoor industry right now, and it's, but it's a growing business model, and it, you know, as soon as he kind of explained what he had been cooking up here, it all just made a ton of sense, you know, and the way he explained it, and I thoroughly agreed was, when we grew up we didn't have a ton of money but we appreciated you know good equipment you know, we grew up skiing and climbing and biking etc you know buying the best of the best going into rei or wherever uh you know always represented kind of a fun time to go shopping but it also was like a fairly challenging situation especially for poor you know high schoolers or college kids it was like man i i can't really afford those new skis and boots and jackets and gloves and hats and goggles um and then here, co- here comes the direct to consumer model where it 's like well, you can actually get the same quality of of product uh, for a substantially less amount of money and which is direct to consumer. We just cut out that that retail markup, which is typically anywhere from forty five to fifty percent so um, you know after Andy sort of explained uh, what he wanted to start with a glove line. Um, Basically, shook hands uh, that same evening, and uh, and thus truck was born. And this was in 2015 or before that. This was February of
1: 2015. Yeah, it's crazy. What? It's one little uh, encounter or experience has changed her life pretty drastically.
0: Yeah, yeah. After being unemployed for a number of months, and you know, expecting to go just. Play catch up with some casual conversation at a coffee shop. Uh, yeah, it really did represent a uh, quite a large uh, turning point, and Truck was born. And uh, hopefully, you know, we never have to look back. Truck is going to become uh, synonymous with with good, affordable handwear out there in the marketplace. So I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Yeah. Now I, I want to ask about two uh, parts of your life. One really before uh, you moved out to Utah and you were working with Black Diamond. You're originally from. Uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts area, and the East Coast. Did you always know that you wanted to get into product design and development, and then obviously the outdoor industry? Uh,
0: you know, yes and no. Different parts of that. I I knew. You know, I decided to go to college out west as soon as it as soon as I graduated high school. You know, it was like, okay, I'm going to go west. I'm going to go to the where, where the mountains are. And went to school out in Portland, Oregon. Any free time I had was spent climbing or skiing or or just being outside somewhere. And that always just really was a draw for me. Um, Balancing, you know, sort of the work that I had to do to to be a functional member of society, but also, you know, really following my uh, passion to be outside and to to recreate in these really sort of significant, meaningful ways for me, which was spending time in the mountains. So it wasn't always super clear, um, but I I knew that if I just put my head down and kept going in a direction that felt natural and felt good, that I'd, I'd land somewhere fulfilling. And sure enough, uh, you know, moved from Durango, Colorado, up here to Salt Lake City in 2002 and got work with Black Diamond as a mail order assistant. Actually, I was literally stuffing... Uh, catalog envelopes and uh, answering emails. It was pretty low on the totem pole and then 14 years later was opening up a development engineering department for them in Zhuhai, China. So I I definitely rose through the ranks there. Uh, But I didn't, you know, even in the middle of that, I'd say even four or five years in, I knew I didn't want to be in sales. Uh, The product side looked awfully appealing to me. But I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to get myself into a position there. But you know, every time there was an availability, a new open spot, something that would bring me over to the development or the product side, uh, I would apply for it. And eventually, got you know, got in with uh, an open position in the quality assurance lab as a field test coordinator, and that really kicked it off. And once I started getting my hands onto product and into that design cycle and development cycle, and seeing how that all worked, taking, you know, a concept from a, you know, scratch on a back of a napkin to something that's in full production at a factory, I, there's just so many parts and pieces there. It was just incredibly intriguing. Uh, so once I had my first taste of that, it was just like, okay, this is this is what I was looking for, <laughs> really, even though I, I didn't see it clearly, you know, while I was looking yeah
1: no so it sounds like you basically did exactly what you needed to do (laughs) to start truck clubs at black diamond like you knew you learned you had you spent those years learning and developing your craft so that when it came time to start you knew exactly where to start where i like i feel like i've interviewed so many people where they're just like yep had no idea how to do this and how to just figure it out
0: yeah yeah well you know certainly running the business there was still every day we're learning there but in terms of Getting in and, and starting uh from the product side of things, I luckily did have all that you know, I had years and years of experience doing it at Black Diamond with numerous uh products uh from them that uh really did help pave the way for me to able to do it successfully as, as my own brand uh with truck.
1: That's so interesting. Okay, so you have this meeting with Andy, you decide you're gonna create truck, right? um, what, what, then what happened, what were, what were the first steps and then, um, how did you build it into what it is today?
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, really, I would say we had a couple weeks on the ground here, uh, just meeting every day and boiling down some of the basic ideas. Andy had gone so far as to have a designer work on a couple sketches even prior to he and i shaking hands to start truck so he had a little bo- bit of momentum there but then it was really okay if we're going to do this you know just starting with the most basic pieces of what it means to have a business i mean creating email accounts and uh you know looking at those designs and and mulling that over and and writing a you know writing a a, a business uh What do we call them these days? Sort of the your uh, um, yeah, like your mission statement kind of thing. You know, what is truck going to be? What are we going to do? You know, what is what is our goal? What are our goals? Um, So we had a a number of meetings like that in the first couple weeks, and I would say by week three, I was on a plane uh, over to Asia to start looking for a factory. So, you know, all of these things kind of taking place in unison, parallel pathing, just a million different items. uh, But of course, foremost was getting, you know, a handle on who was going to build the product that we were ultimately going to bring to market and sell. Um, And that, you know, that took a number of months to uh, work with a number of different uh, potential suppliers and get them the appropriate drawings and. Uh, have them in turn send us samples and then iterate those samples and see really who was going to work for us uh, the quickest, the best, the most honest, the best costs, etc. cetera. Um, so a lot of back and forth. And, you know, really that ended up taking months and months and months. And finally, you know, you end up committing to one supplier and uh, really jumping in with both feet and um, saying, okay, you know, getting closer to production, ordering all of your materials and, uh you know starting to build a website and 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 all of that i mean just a a billion pieces have to come together for for the launch of a brand and it was just a thousand miles an hour but uh you know those first couple steps in those first few weeks was like literally okay well what are the basics here and you know hop on a plane and go find a factory and uh yeah and just chip away at it every day from there on out yeah now it's so, looking at like your your product line, you really have two
1: flagship models, really the M one and the M two, correct?
0: Yeah, that certainly was a true statement. I think we've progressed a little bit since then, but you know, even the even the gloves that have come subsequently, you know, their DNA is still represented from the M one and the M two. So, I, I want to ask you what what were you really looking to create when
1: you were making these gloves? Like, obviously, there's one. The main aspect is a highly a high quality product for skiers and snowboarders at least when you were first starting out like you have later transitioned and offer you now offer gloves for for mountain biking and stuff like that but what were you features i guess and quality aspects of it were you really looking for uh when creating uh the m1 and the m2
0: yeah you know we just wanted really a lot of people ask me this you know how is truck different um we didn't go out and recreate the wheel you know our gloves are the way that I like to define our gloves is that they're they're well made. You know, we we really put attention into the materials that we use and the craftsmanship. You know, all the way from the thread to you know how the factories are you know working their machines, uh, thread tension, and that sort of thing. Like little details where if you don't have the if you don't have a good quality thread or you don't have a you know the appropriate machinery um that's how gloves fall apart pretty easily so you know we really paid attention from the inside out on on details like that um of course our gloves are all primarily made with goatskin leather so finding the right the right um the right leather with the right amount of waterproof treatment etc You know, so that that's those are sort of the foundational pieces, and then yeah, you know, you look at kind of some of the feature sets that we have. You know, can you use a phone? You know, which is fairly important to a lot of people these days. And so we added conductivity, and you know, can you can you do you have a place to clip the glove? You know, if you're wearing a harness or a backpack, is there a really nice strong point that you can attach the gloves to a pack or whatnot? So you know, we really sat down and said what. What is functional? You know, where do things break? Um, what are helpful features without being kind of obsessive or, or overkill with feature sets? Um, really, just utilitarian. We knew at least initially that our our focus group was going to be industry people like ski patrollers. You know. At, Put our, putting ourselves in in their shoes and saying, oh, "What would be important to us if we're out, you know, slinging bamboo around or or you know ropes all day, um, working in the snow all day, um, out on the mountain? What what are they going to be interacting with? What materials? You know, what kind of dexterity is going to be important to them?" So we really just put ourselves in in those shoes and we said, "Well, if we can develop some utilitarian, functional, solid gloves that this user group." we'll be happy with and we're comfortable with really every user group out there you know appreciating this because again specifically to ski patrol I mean these guys and gals are out there on a daily basis beating up their hand commodity product for them you know they a lot of these guys will have two or three sets of gloves because they just go through them and you know, their gloves will get wet or they'll end up getting a hole in them you know one day and they need you know immediately need a backup pair so by by designing and developing towards uh, really um, making that user group happy we just feel like we're covering a lot of bases there in terms of functionality and durability and that that will in turn you know permeate uh out to the other user groups, uh, in, in terms of being, you know, identified as good, solid product.
1: Right. Now, was there at any point, like when you were getting feedback from a lot of these, um, these people who were obviously out in the field, was there anything in particular that, uh, surprised you or a feature that they suggested or something about it that like, you're like, huh? Or like, wow, you know, that's a great idea or something like that.
0: Uh, With the M1 and M2, no, I wouldn't say that anything caught us off guard. I mean, honestly, Josh, I'd say one of the things that was most surprising to me was how the level of quality that a lot of these folks were used to, that we were all of a sudden coming to the table and exceeding that level of quality, especially relative to the cost that we were offering. I mean – a lot of folks in the industry will buy a lesser glove because it's affordable and they don't make a million dollars and they need five pair of gloves because it's what they work and live in every day so they've come accu- they've become accustomed to using maybe a inferior product but an affordable one so all of a sudden here we introduce ourselves in our M1 or our M2 and say yeah well you know our cost for this for you is x amount of dollars and they're sitting there kind of dumbfounded looking at the quality and the feature set saying, really, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I pay that same amount for this glove over here that's not even half the glove that you're offering. <laughs> so, you know, I guess maybe we surprised them uh, with what we brought to the table more than being surprised by requests or or otherwise uh, from that user group. And that felt pretty good, honestly.
1: Yeah, I bet. That's really awesome. It's, getting that kind of feedback is always awesome. Um, now, obviously, you've had a lot of uh, experience from your time at Black Diamond, but I want to ask, was there any specific mentors that you had that really stood
0: out to you, that really helped you uh, build truck? Well, I mean, you know, you, you take cues from people all the time, I think. I, certainly I try to. I mean, my whole philosophy in life is, you know, you don't get a ton done as an individual. There, it's a, really a, a lot about team efforts and, uh, you know, waking up every day and, and understanding that there's probably more that you don't know than you do know. And uh, good to keep an open mind and open ears and eyes and try to learn. Uh but I would say from the very beginning, you know, I'll give a shout out to my dad who from a very young age had me, you know, picking beans in the bean fields of New Hampshire uh, for summer work, <laughs> riding my bike seven <laughs> miles each way to go pick beans and, uh, you know, for five hours a day <laughs> and come home and, teaching you know, grit. <laughs> hold the lawn and stuff, you know, kind of kicking my butt. Uh, but then at the same time, you know uh, – Sending me off to do my first Knowles course out in Wyoming, you know, as a as a senior in high school, which was sort of my you know one of my real introductions to what it was like to be outside and in the mountains and you know being solid and uh, keeping your keeping your shit together so to speak and living living in the hills and recreating in the hills as safely and um, comfortably as possible. So you know, again, my dad sort of showed me both sides. It's like work your tail off, and then you know intermix that with a good amount of play and 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 uh you know sort of that work slash reward kind of thing um so that's always stuck with me and certainly it's no different you know years and years later uh like we talked about earlier it's like you can put your head down and work your tail off and and then you know hopefully reap the rewards of uh being able to to live and do some really cool stuff uh in your recreational pursuits as well
1: definitely now Uh, we've talked a little bit about manufacturing in the beginning and sort of what it was like sourcing and setting everything up. But I wanted to ask you specifically in regards to sustainability, how did you go about making sure that the process um, that you're going through in building and creating your product is in the most sustainable way possible?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think every business is challenged with, you know, what, Sustainability might mean for them. I mean, sustainability does and can mean a million different things to a million different businesses and or people. You know, um, social responsibility or you know materials that you use, your supply chain uh, details about how you ship your products, etc. I mean, there's just there's a lot to the word sustainability. Um, some of it's pretty low hanging fruit, and some of it can cost companies millions or billions of dollars to implement. You know, more sustainable practices. We're obviously incredibly lean. We're we're very small and young, but these things do, you know, make a difference to us in terms of okay, if I'm overseas and I'm looking. Uh, to partner with a new supplier, and I want someone you know to to enter a business relationship with uh, who's going to make my product for me. You know, what are they doing on, on their ends? Are they, they are they socially responsible? Are these factories treating their workers well? Um, are they you know are they efficient? That sort of thing and things that will help me and them be successful. Just uh, from you know, efficiency standpoints oftentimes also represent sustainable uh, elements as well. So I'm always keeping my eyes and ears, you know, tuned to those types of things. And, uh, you know, another nice piece that comes out of your direct-to-consumer model is we don't have a ton of packaging. We don't need a ton of packaging. Or don't, we don't need big hang tags or boxes or things like that that have to look pretty in retail space. Uh, You know, we ship to a warehouse and then we ship our items, you know, directly to consumers. So, you know, we're not uh, spending a lot of money on packaging that's getting thrown away uh, as soon as someone takes it out of the retail store and, you know, unwrapping it. Um, So we, we, you know, have minimal waste that way. And then even just in terms of how we operate day to day stuff, Uh, you know, we just installed solar panels on our sprinter van, you know, so that we don't have to be plugged in all the time, especially in the summer months. So again, sustainability can mean a billion different things and we're, we're always looking to try to be more efficient and to try to, you know, include savings, uh, one way or the other, um. For everything that we can, be it fuel or packaging or electricity being consumed, et cetera. I think we have a long way to go. You know one of the things that I look forward to the most is, you know, a time when we can we have some ideas about a glove that will be sort of part of this Uber line we're gonna call it down the road uh, that'll be, a glove that spares no expense um, and it might sell for $200, which people will scratch their head and say, well, how can you make a $200 glove? You know, what does that mean? And I don't even have an answer to that yet, but maybe that means it's, you know, the latest and greatest, coolest, environmentally friendly fabric out there um, that we incorporate. And maybe it costs a million dollars, you know, a, a meter, but we end up using it in a cool line of gloves where uh you know we get to promote that that new aspect or that new material and help further the industry by supporting it. So, you know, those things will come with time and we'll roll it out little by little as as we can.
1: Yeah, those are those are really cool ideas. Now, uh, I want to take a second and ask and and really talk about the the growth for truck from the beginning. I know we're talking offline. You you recently uh set up a pretty big partnership. And so I wanted to ask you specifically from that first uh, meeting with your partner uh, where you came up with the idea to now, what what does the growth really look like?
0: Yeah, well, you know, we are lean. Um, We don't have a big budget. um, And we started off with just a couple models, as you know, uh, and that was in 2015. We're now ending 2017, and our product line went from two models to, think within the next month I have a couple new models landing we'll be up to eight new you know eight models total um, so still if you compare us to another big glove brand out there say Hestra for example I mean Hestra probably has 150 different models right so we're nowhere even close to that but we don't really aspire to be that I don't think we need 150 glove models at any point um, we're pretty content with eight models at the moment with, you know, a couple always in the pipeline. There's always something in development that we're looking towards. But, uh, you know, with the with the addition of those various new models uh, that added on to the two we started with, you know, really what you start to see is you see more customer interest, right? Because you're appealing to more people. Uh, you have more styles you have more colors you know there are more uses out there Uh, so you're drawing the attention of more uh, more hands and so you know along with new models uh, comes new business and we definitely have seen that um, over the last uh, 18 months or so we've we have as you mentioned um, just signed on with a couple big accounts that are going to really help you know Promote our brand and, and help sort of gain some of that critical mass and uh, you know it's pretty inspiring to, to see how, how that's all going you know where we're going to be in another three years or five years is uh, hard to say you know I don't know that again I don't know that we'll have a hundred new models at that point but um, certainly we'll have a few more and really it's, it's quality versus quantity for us right now uh, not looking to be you know, a million-dollar company overnight, but um, certainly it does feel great to see the recognition that we've been getting, and uh, see more and more orders pour in each season. It's really, it's really quite fun.
1: I bet. Now, in terms of, um, I guess the operations of the business, right? So, you're full-time. Your partner uh, is not. I want to ask specifically, like, what, what does a regular day look like for you? Um, I know you do quite a bit of traveling, obviously, it's sort of the nature of the beast. But I'd love to. Hear uh, that from your perspective?
0: Yeah, well, it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I, it's so hard to give you what an average day looks like because really they are so varied. But uh, to give it an attempt, I you know I would say if I'm here in Salt Lake, you know, really I, I live sort of two different lives is really the best way to look at it. I'm either in Salt Lake where I work from home, you know, I have a nice home office here in the Avenues, uh, wake up. You know, coffee of course is the first thing, and hop on the computer and and chip away at emails and communication, and then uh, and then really that's where each day will sort of take a turn. You know, am I going to be, you know, sitting down and working in Illustrator or Photoshop, doing something for the website? You know, creating a a new page or a new email blast, or am I going to be, you know, working in PowerPoint? or illustrator again, you know, on, on a new design or a new, a new concept, maybe on the phone with uh, one of the designers I work with out in Washington. Um, are we, are we doing that sort of thing? Or, you know, am I sitting down and tackling some (laughs) tax issue that's got to be reconciled or, uh, am I maybe just answering phone calls? You know, when people contact truck via, via email or uh, or phone call, you know, they're coming to me. So, you know, one minute I'm a developer and I'm dealing with my factories. The next minute I'm I'm the behind-the-scenes web guru. And the next minute I'm answering uh, questions about, you know, how a glove should fit somebody's hands and can I get it to them before Christmas sort of thing. So <laughs> the days are incredibly varied. You know, I've got 10 different hats on my shelf here. And depending on what job I've got, I'll put a different hat on for it. So... And then if I'm not in the office, uh, you know, the the Sprinter van that we decked out saw both coasts of the U.S. last year, Atlantic and Pacific, and all within about a four month period. So that had me quite busy traveling around from all the different ski resorts in the U.S. and uh, going, and introducing myself, and um, you know, showing folks product and doing my spiel, and and uh, you know, moving on to the next place and. And looking forward to just introducing truck all over the globe. So it, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. It's certainly never boring. And uh, there's always a challenge that's unexpected, that's for sure. But it, it keeps me interested. How many miles did you put on the Sprinter van in that time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a great question uh, I wasn't really counting but a lot <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know, what are they I think the, the country the length of the country is around 3,000 miles right so yeah yeah and I certainly didn't do it in a direct line. Long- Line uh <laughs> right. The, so <laughs> I you'd say double that last year. Maybe I maybe I doubled that, so six thousand miles in, in a few months. I'm not really sure, but it felt like a lot. I bet. Uh, I bet did. in is. a lot of ways it felt like a lot in the in a lot of ways it just went by, you know, blink of an eye, really. So um you know it was it was good. And I tell you, going at you know from far north Parts of Maine to the uh, you know Upper Peninsula in the Midwest, the UP, um, you know all the way over to Tahoe and then down to Santa Cruz, California, where we saw the Pacific Coast. Uh, pretty cool journey for, for the course of a winter. Uh, it was fun, and you know after that, uh, seen a lot of a lot of good feedback, uh, sort of a latent effect from that time back east uh, you know, a lot more orders and and communication with East coast resorts this year. So, uh, certainly paid off or paying off, I should say.
1: That's awesome. I've done, I've done the trip from Utah to New York and that was, uh, that was hell. (laughs) It was fun, but it was, it was, uh, it was, I was in a rush. If I had more time, I would have done it slower.
0: Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, it's all about podcasts, Josh. <laughs>
1: it, it was, but back
0: then I wasn't listening to them at the time. This was like four yeah, or five well, years I, ago. Well, I know. Well, hopefully anyone listening to this, maybe there's some folks out there driving around right now listening to it in their car, but it's it certainly helped get me from one coast to the other, having good podcasts to listen to. Oh, I bet. Uh, I bet. Um, all right,
1: so I want to shift a little bit here and talk more about... Uh, your fears and specifically towards truck and like, what what would you say are your biggest fears towards your business and how do you really manage them?
0: Yeah. You know, obviously I, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with something on my mind that's stressing me out. Um, but those are generally, you know, sort of circumstantial situational stresses, um, in terms of, you know, like an underlying kind of foundational fear. Uh, I don't I can't really say that I have one. I mean failure, of course, you know, I, everyone fears failure. Um and I guess if there's a situational stress that you could somehow relate it to like okay, well, why are you stressed? You're stressed because it's something that's not going well and you know, ultimately that would lead to what maybe we define as business failure. So but you know, none of these situational stresses really, I don't think, jeopardizes uh, overall business success. Although you might think that sometimes if you're in the thick of a problem that you're trying to solve. But yeah, I mean, no one wants to get this this far into growing a new brand. You know, the the hours and the the dollars that have been put into. Getting truck to where we are right now, as of you know December two thousand seventeen, we've come a long way. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and, and dollars. Uh, we want to see that, you know, really become, um, you know, worth something bigger than than that down the road, and not all be for not all be for naught. Um, so. But again, you know, I don't sit around really fearing failure because there's there's really only one answer to that. Is like, well, okay, just work hard, don't stop, and uh, you know, don't listen to the naysayers. Not that there are many, but certainly there are a few here and there. But yeah, just be committed and and go for it. And uh, I I don't really fear failure because I I just have a lot of belief that we're not gonna fail i think we've got something really cool going on here and uh if we keep working our tails off um it will be successful it is and will continue to be successful
1: yeah i mean you got to be your own biggest supporter if not you're gonna the lows can be so low and they can get you
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and and uh yeah, if you're feeling low, go for a bike ride or a ski. That's what works for me. And uh, all yeah. of a sudden, I don't feel so low anymore, and I go back and and you know hit the hit the ground running again. And um, seems to be a, a good strategy thus far. Yeah, I I'm the same way. If I'm if I'm too stressed or
1: um, worked up or something, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, in the summertime, I'll go on a run or. Something like that or uh, wintertime, I'll go skiing and it really does. It's just like, it's like, oh, right, this is why I'm doing this.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. And whatever that current problem might be, th- there's always a way to solve it, always. So.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a good way to look at it where like I used to get a lot more stressed out about things, but then I realized that like any problem I'm, s- I'm facing, there is a solution out there, whether it's a pivot or just a straight solution to that right. specific issue. Yep yeah what would you say have been one of your of your biggest mistakes in regards to truck and how do you manage it?
0: biggest mistake um, I don't know that you know really I look at it you know from a bandwidth perspective and I wouldn't what i'll what I'll sort of describe here I don't think is a mistake it's more just a a lack of bandwidth, or maybe just a, in the future a, a reallocation of effort. But um, you know what I would like to see us do as a brand is um, promote ourselves a little bit more to um, non industry segments and so what i mean by that is we have spent a lot of time with me in the van traveling around from resort to or ski resort to ski resort for the last number of winters couple of winters um really ingrained ourselves in the brand um into ski patrol and ski school and mountain ops and and that's all wonderful it was our strategy from the very beginning we knew we wanted to do that and gain critical mass but um at that being said Uh, and I think this is one of the challenges with, with a direct to consumer brand is, um, really be becoming more recognizable to, to non-industry end consumers. Uh, and that needs to happen in a number of ways. and, And that's one of the challenges is figuring out what those ways are. I mean, we don't have retailers fighting the fight for us, um, you know, so I, my product isn't sitting in a hundred different stores out there, uh, visible to anyone who walks into the store, right? I mean, the only visibility that we have is by getting people to our website, or they see the van, or they meet me in person somewhere. But those things don't just happen on their own. Um, it does take some effort. It takes more effort, I think, than it does for a brand that's displayed prominently in a hundred, you know, brick and mortars all over the country. So. Um, Uh, You know, mistake maybe is not parallel pathing our non-industry and industry together at the same time or maybe not putting enough effort into social media, which is a big driver for, you know, can be a big driver if done the right way for, um, for brands. Um, and I, you know, I've really started to pay more attention to how we function, um, what our, what, what our presence is, uh, you know, through different social media outlets like Facebook or Instagram. Um, so yeah, I mean, mistake again, I, I don't know that they were mistakes because at the end of the day, it's, uh, I think we've been working really hard on a million different components. And then at the end of the day, you can always look back and say, well, we need more energy in this you know, zone now or this zone and it becomes a compromise, right? There's only so much I can do in a given day. So uh, if I let off the gas on one item uh, to put more effort into another item, you know, and that's just how, how it has to be. So uh, I think my focus moving forward or at least trying to balance a little better is, yeah, um, getting to those non-industry consumers so that they see what truck is all about Because again, and this is what I say with everyone I interact with personally, is like if you're in the market for a pair of gloves, you would be a fool to not at least look at what truck has to offer. Because what you'll recognize when you do look is that, hey, we offer an incredibly good, solid product at half the cost of what you're going to get the same product for in retail space. So, you know, it's. How do we get that message out to as many people as possible? Because really, it's a benefit to the consumers as much as it would ultimately be a benefit for us, for all those consumers, all those potential new consumers out there um, to know who we are. Uh, It's a win-win, really, for everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really the two hardest parts about building a business. It's one, creating a a, a super high-quality product that people want, and then the second one is getting it in front of enough people.
0: (laughs) Right. For sure,
1: yeah. Like th- you solve the, both of those problems, and you'll have a successful business. Like you may have other issues along the way, but those two, I feel, are the most the most key components to really building something successful.
0: Yeah, and you know, I have to admit, I think I probably underestimated that um, a little bit. Even even as an as as an example, you know, I could swing through. Say, I go to Stowe, Vermont, right, and everyone that I interact with loves my product. I could drive away from Stowe, Vermont saying, you, you know, man, i got all those departments, Stowe's in the bag, you know, they're going to become this big customer. And then all of a sudden, three months later, you haven't heard from anyone and you're like, huh, I wonder what's going on. I thought everyone at Stowe loved me. And then you contact them and circle back around and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, well, right. Well, we just got busy and we kind of forgot about that and we were using these other things. And it's like, it's not just as simple as, Hey, show up on someone's doorstep, show them what you got, and then you know they're a customer for life. I mean, it really does to build your brand and, and to be, you know, that that entity that th- these people come to think about and and recognize on their own. You know, you have to you have to be out there. You have to be showing them, you know, good customer service. You have to you know interact with them and, and search out their attention, you know, quite a bit before all of a sudden you're just synonymous with you, you know you're, you're not the kleenex right of gloves all of a sudden just because you show someone a nice glove right yeah it's, <laughs> so, it's so true it, it just takes a lot of effort even if what you have is awesome and people appreciate it upon for seeing it it doesn't just you know explode overnight that way so it really does take you know my relationships my, the best relationships that i formed you know, I've had to either go meet in person and or meet in person at least once and then circle back with phone calls or emails or, or whatever, you know, five, six, seven, eight times. And then you start to really have someone who's a, a good solid customer who trusts you and, and you know will think about about you on their own again and come to you versus you having to reach out to them. So it does, it takes a ton of work and I think I underestimated that. You know, a, a lot of what I thought was like, yeah, you show someone a killer product once and you got them, but it's just not even, you know, it, A, it's competitive out there. There are a lot of really good gloves for sure. Um, and B, people just don't really operate that way. Um, people need and or like a little bit more, you uh, You know, attention um, in terms of that relationship development that I think is integral, integral to, um, you know, customer brand um, growth and and partnerships.
1: Yeah, those are all really great points. And it's um, it's so true. You got to build that trust because people only buy from people they like. Right. Like there's no doubt. Yeah, like there's regardless no of how great someone's product is, if you just hate the person <laughs> that is trying to sell it to you, you're gonna be like, ah, uh, no,
0: <laughs> for sure. And I, you know, I've seen that. I've seen bad attitude or, or you know, whatever, uh, less than ideal interactions between brands and consumers. You know, go go sideways pretty quickly. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's all
1: about day, relationships. It really is. At the end of the day, it's just about relationships and and. uh, paired with a great product um so what's the best part about running truck gloves
0: well you know i mean really i wake up every day i'm still on cloud nine three years later just sort of waking up and realizing the fact that you know this is mine what i what i get to do every day is work on something that is ultimately you know stamped with my signature and um is is the You know i don't have to answer not that andy and i aren't collaborating all the time and that he doesn't answer me i don't answer to him on certain things but you know this is this is ours and jay as well you know this is this is our baby and you know we, we we nurture it and we take care of it and we you know do the right things add the right water and add the right you know nutrients and uh and get to watch it grow. And, you know, that's basically blood, sweat and tears and dollars. Right. Or what those nutrients are. But, um, you know, I, I'm just incredibly proud that when I go out and luckily I get this feedback. Right. Because I travel around enough and I interact with enough people on a regular basis that I'm getting this positive feedback where. Yeah, maybe it was a pain in the butt for me to fly overseas and develop you know, this product line and go through the iterations and thinking, oh, we're going to be late with delivery and this and that. But all of a sudden, those things all work out. And then you have this product that you're proud of that you know, represents all of this accumulated work effort. And you show it to a customer and they put it on and they're like, man, this is rad. You guys rock. <laughs> and it's just like, hmm. yeah, yeah, okay. You know, man, that's just like it. It it's just a, it's a great feeling, you know, to to have that end customer, you know, boil down in, in one quick statement. These are awesome gloves, you know, something like that. And then it's like, OK, we're doing the right thing, even though there was probably a lot of, you know stress and and anxiety and and whatnot leading up to that first sale of that new model and all of a sudden you get that reinforcement that like yeah you did it and it worked and you know just gets you all stoked and fired up to 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 go do it again and do it more
1: yeah i mean i can hear the passion in your voice like just just talking about it and it's uh it's, it's nice, and I feel like that's one of the most consistent things uh, I've found doing this podcast for as long as I've been doing it, um, is really just the excitement that anyone I interview has about their product and their business and really what they're trying to build uh, with their business, and um, I think that's awesome, and I, I want to appreciate you for taking the time to really share your story with our community and uh, where everything started for you and what you see uh, happening in the future with truck gloves but for the listener that wants to keep tabs on everything you're doing going forward where's the best place for them to do that
0: well uh, you know I would love to say that we had a <laughs> that we had a weekly podcast or newsletter of our own unfortunately uh, because <laughs> of the bandwidth uh, limitations that we've got there there isn't anything you know quite that interactive with folks certainly, you know the more instagram and facebook followers we can get the merrier that's always great and i try to do as good of a job as i can um you know creating content uh while i'm out on the road while i'm out you know either interacting with customers or or out testing you know gloves beat on a ski slope or a mountain bike trail somewhere so that's kind of a fun way to keep tabs on what truck is up to and of course you know, our website, uh, to see what the latest and greatest models are. I think at any given time, there's always one kind of new up and coming soon to be released model highlighted on the website. And, uh, you know, as we, as we get a little bit bigger and can afford some more help, you know, I think that'll be one of the first things we do is get someone in to help us uh, with a little bit more marketing effort so that we can interact and, uh, you know, reach out to folks with, uh, you know, things other than just sales pitches or whatever. You know, be it be it a newsletter or a blog or or something like that. Um, we have lots of ideas about ways to interact with the the community at large, um, in fun ways and also in ways that can help us develop a better product. I mean, our you know, we can get all the best ideas from our consumers from their feedback, and we're super open to that. So. Again, as, as resources uh, allow, you know, we certainly hope to be able to open up to to the community, you know, even more and more and more.
1: Definitely. Well, um, for the listener that um, wants to check out uh, truck gloves, you can actually head over to RedYeti.com before December 26th to enter to win uh, a couple pairs of gloves. In addition to a ton of other gear from a bunch of other brands, we're offering over $1,700 worth of gear, which... We're stoked about, um, and we were working with some awesome brands, just like Truck.
0: Um, but
1: with that, Brett, I really appreciate you taking the
0: time. Hey, Josh. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, thanks a ton for having me. Thanks to the listeners for listening, and uh, for those listeners who are listening, uh, if you are Instagram folks, go truck yourself is our hashtag. So I, uh, I'd like to see everyone out there listening to go truck themselves. Hmm, love it, and we'll link uh, to all your your accounts on uh, the
1: show notes for anyone who wants to check you out. Awesome. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready 8 Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.